0: Hey, welcome to the program. Got a great show for you today. Steve Dace is uh, talking about the Iowa caucus. Pat Gray joins me. Tulsi Gabbard. We have a great interview with Tulsi Gabbard from New Hampshire on what's happening in her party, what's happening with her, why why sh- why the why CNN and the Democrats are blocking her, and yet they're putting in candidates that have much less support. She has 8% in New Hampshire. They just put Deval Patrick in, who has 2% uh, support. She's asked the DNC and CNN, and no one has an answer for her. Also, Selena Zito, she is she's a woman who has the finger on the pulse. What's going to happen tonight in Iowa? You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. This is Iowa, the true America. Well, I mean, if there is such a thing. But there isn't. Or maybe there is. I mean, there has to be. There can't be. There absolutely is. Friendly people in general in Iowa. Patient, courteous. One of our reporters, Kevin Ryan, was out, and at one point he said he was at one of the train track intersections in the state. The crossing gate lowered, the bell rung, and the train chugged by. Several cars waited at the designated line, and a few minutes later, the train just stopped. But people kept pulling into the line of cars. Nobody sped off, nobody honked their horns. In Chicago or New York, you'd hear screeching and honking and curse words, peel-outs, maybe even gunshots. But this is a different state, a charming place, the way the land breathes under you. ...spread out like a blanket... ...and the corn stalks lean with each breeze... ...and the marigold softness on the horizon... ...without the skyscrapers imposing their faces. Everywhere you look, all you see is America. The honey scent of fertilizer and livestock. At night, the whole world gets dark and quiet. So quiet you can almost... You feel like Adam and Eve... ...just looking up, alone in the garden... ...contemplating the electric sky... ...full of planets and stars in other lives they couldn't understand. Iowa is 170... uh, Sorry, 187 times bigger than New York City. Yet there are only 3 million people in Iowa compared to the 9 million people in New York City. There are actually more feral hogs than humans in Iowa. That's an actual fact. Yet... People stay in Iowa for generations, and you can kind of see why. You have to admire its stable geography. It's the only state with parallel rivers as borders. On the easternmost side, along the Mississippi River, there's the world's steepest and shortest railway. On the other, along the Missouri River, a monument stands It's to Sergeant Floyd, It's the only man to die during the Lewis and Clark Great Expedition. And every July, for a whole week, cyclists traverse the divide, bumping along those uneven roadways. By the way, I, I want to go back. You did understand there are 21 million feral hogs in Iowa. I just want to go back to that for a second. That's roughly the population of Mexico City or San Francisco, Oakland and Phoenix and Seattle, and Detroit combined. They have more hogs than Mumbai has people. And if the Iowa hogs divided in two factions and occupied different sides of the states, Iowa would have two megacities, classification earned only in America by Los Angeles and New York, 21 million hogs. They arrived in the 1500s thanks to the ham-obsessed Spaniards led by De Soto, and for centuries Native American tribes alone occupied the land, the Sac and the Fox, the Iowa Dakota Sioux, the Oto, and before that, woolly mammoths roamed the plains. In the 1700s, the French showed up with their fur trade and their treaties. The area belonged to France until 1763, following a defeat by Spain in the French and Indian War. The region flopped from one nation's hand to the next, until the Louisiana Purchase happened. When Thomas Jefferson was... they talked about impeaching him because he had the Louisiana Purchase. He bought the land from Louisiana to Montana, and that would become the Midwestern and Southern states, including Iowa. We paid $18 a square mile. Shortly after the purchase, the territory's new residents got a little possessive, and soon enough, sellers were shoving the Indians off the land that they'd occupied since the Ice Age. Some next-level gentrification, I guess. But we've always had a bloody streak. Man, always does, not just America. Especially back then, it was violent, and cruel. There was mayhem. It was just out in the middle of nowhere on the wobbly plains. Gunfights, stabbings, honest-to-God cowboy stuff with gunslingers. Who, who knows what else happened there? And then came the Civil War in the 1860s, the worst kind of war, the kind that guts a nation. Iowa had only been a state for 15 years with a population of about half a million people. Yet, with only 500,000 people, 75,000 Iowan men fought for the Union. Now, that's the highest percentage of soldiers from any other state on both sides. And they died like hell. Drowned in the mud, ransacked by cannonballs, bayonet to the gut or the neck or anywhere. It was the cruel early stage of modern warfare. But America's always been a rugged and An unceasing territory. We're roughnecks. We're a chancer. And most of the times it pays off. We fought the Civil War and we stayed together. But then came the railroads sprouting up all across the country. It was the late 1800s. Trains could haul produce from any part of the country to another part of the country, so the farming jobs flourished in Iowa and the population grew. In 1901, Quaker Oats was founded in Cedar Rapids. Then, in 1937, Iowa State University professor John Vincent Aniskoff and graduate student Clifford Berry created the first automatic electronic digital computer. Wait a minute, in Iowa? The same state that gave us oatmeal also shoved us towards the creation indirectly to Grand Theft Auto Five and iPhones and all of the luxuries that are now our reality. Iowa had a thriving agriculture until World War I, then the Great Depression, then World War II, and everywhere. All around the world, people wanted to live in the larger cities. That's where things were getting done, and Iowa had very few. But they coped, how they could, replacing the agricultural with the industrial. And during the war, Iowa built tanks, rifles, airplanes, armies, armor. You should know, by the way, 8,389 Iowans died by the end of the war on September second, 1945. Imagine surviving the war and returning to the endless fields and the oceans of sky as the haze of wartime and the economy cleared iowans enjoyed like the rest of america a sense of renewal they had benefited from the change of industry agriculture had always been the money maker but now iowa was building refrigerators farming equipment stationery to this day iowa still is the largest producer of eggs pork and corn in 1958, Winnebago, the R- RV manufacturer, was founded in Winnebago County, Iowa. And since that day, your home can be wherever it is that you want it to be on this continent. A year after Winnebago was founded, a plane crash outside of Clear Lake, Iowa killed the music the day the music died. It was in Des Moines on January 20th, 1982, when a 17-year-old boy grabbed a dead bat, fangs, snout and all, and threw it at Black Sabbath. Even the performer Ozzy Osbourne, he grabbed the tiny little bat corpse and shoved it in his mouth and started gnashing. He thought it was a rubber bat until that bat kind of exploded in his mouth and he found out that it was really a rat but he had started and he couldn't break the persona, so he just went on right after the show. He was rushed to Broadlawn's Medical Center for rabies. Ozzy Osbourne's bat decaptation stands as, as one of the most notorious moments in rock and roll history, and it was in Des Moines, Iowa. Then there's Brid, Iowa, home to the National Hobo Convention as well as the Hobo Museum. Call the town quirky or gross for hosting such a thing, or you can see the humanity in it. You can see the neighbors, the neighborliness. My grandparents were from Iowa. They say the name Iowa is a reference to when Indians discovered the land. It was the first words they uttered. When they looked at the beautiful sprawling land in the hills, they simply said, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. It translates to beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Maybe not so much today as we go now to the polls. Iowa is a place that is sharply divided just within the democratic party and it is besieged with reporters and politicians and a circus every four years we get to that here in just a second Wow, i am still reeling pat i don't know about you but i'm still reeling from that bill crystal announcement that he's he's a democrat now wow I mean, that's been
1: coming on for how
0: long? Uh, Uh, When was he born? (laughs) 60 years. (laughs) I mean, that is the least surprising story I have ever seen. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Iowa today. Any thoughts on Iowa? We have uh, Steve Dace coming up in just a little while. We also have Tulsi Gabbard uh, joining us today in hour number two. I'm anxious to talk to Tulsi um and uh and hear her thoughts of what's happening in the Democratic Party they um they seem to be control freaks no
1: <laughs> they seem not to want bernie again uh they didn't want him last time and
0: they don't want him this time so have you heard about the um have you heard about the uh, uh the poll the 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 Des Moines Register poll that comes out with Buddha judge no, no, no. yeah, the yeah. one that comes out every year, mm-hmm. day before the Sunday before, and uh, and has the final poll, and it was it was pulled back because they say there are errors, but there's all kinds of conspiracies floating.
1: Yeah, they uh, there the there was a conversation with one of the people that they polled, and I think they got his name. Wrong. They said his name wrong, or or the uh, person being polled said the name wrong, but but he voted for Buttigieg anyway, mm-hmm. and so but there were questions about that, and so they just threw out the poll, even though the guy <laughs> voted for Buttigieg in the poll, yeah, yeah, in the poll,
0: right. It is, so here's what it, here's here's what it was. Somebody who was just answering the phone raised the issue with the way the survey was being administered, which could have compromised the results of the poll. It appears a candidate's name, Judge, was admitted in at least one interview in which the respondent was asked to name their preferred candidate. And he mm-hmm. said, what about Judge? And the guy was like, oh, sorry, Judge. And so because of that, because of that, mm-hmm. they're throwing the poll away. Now... Is that what happened? Is that what happened? Because I suppose if you saw the poll, you could see that Buttigieg was either way, way underperforming from all other polls, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you could say, okay, well, there's a problem. But they didn't say there was a problem. What they said was this one incident, and they made sure that they didn't publish the poll. Now, there are some that are saying... That this poll wasn't uh, published because it was bad for Biden. Others are saying it's really good for Sanders. And that's why they didn't publish it. Because the Democrats don't want Sanders. And if it's (laughs) bad for Biden, they don't want to lead into that.
1: This is... And for the Des Moines Register to play along with them like that?
0: This is the first time... It's unbelievable. This is the first time in the history of the Des Moines Register they have not published this poll. That's really bad. That is really
1: bad. You don't throw the poll out just because of w- I mean, one response? Unless... One response?
0: Unless you come out and say, we found out that this person did not ask uh, Buddha in in others, or he was not confident then you come out and you say that yeah what they're coming out yeah. and saying is well because of this one guy we're not sure and yada yada well how confident are you did you ask the guy I mean it's 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 remarkable to me because you're playing with fire when it comes to Bernie Sanders
1: oh yeah, they've made that clear oh have they not right I mean when you threaten to burn Milwaukee to the ground uh, yeah. That's he's got
0: a volatile uh, base. Can of we people? Can we play the uh, Bill Maher audio from uh, the Bill Maher show this weekend? Listen to this.
2: But I tell you why Bernie Sanders is attractive to me now because he's the only Democrat who, like Trump, has an army. Who, when it gets to this other level, he's got a bunch of
0: badass motherfuckers who will get in the streets. Okay, so Trump doesn't wow. have that. Okay, Trump doesn't have that. We've not gotten into the streets, we
1: have. Nobody's not... claimed they're going to burn anything to the ground. Nope. Nope. There's been no violent rhetoric from N- Trump supporters.
0: No. In fact, the violent rhetoric is all from the other side mm-hmm. against Trump. I mean, look at what the state of Virginia did just to people who liked the Second Amendment. Yeah. Okay? They immediately called all of those people names and and bad names. They were white supremacists. They were Nazis. You know, they Mm -hmm. mobilized against them. So, uh, I mean, you're dealing with fire. I have more on this with Bernie Sanders uh, coming up. But this is something that we talked about literally 20 years ago. 20. um, No, it was about uh, 15 years ago, 14 years ago. We talked about it and I spelled it out. Democrats, here's what you're doing. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to end. And we're now there. And the Democrats are freaking out, Mm -hmm. freaking out. They should be. Yeah, they should be. Because today in Iowa, I think everybody's been trying to calculate who could beat Trump, who could beat Trump. They don't see anybody. So there's either going to be a low turnout or I think people are going to go in and go, you know what? doesn't matter. I'm just going to vote for who I want. I'm going to vote for the person I because I can't do the calculus. I don't know who could beat Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And that could change things dramatically tonight. Remember, this is not a poll like you normally do. This is a caucus, very different. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Okay, last night was the uh, Super Bowl. I'm not a Super Bowl fan. Usually they're boring as snot because it's usually a runaway. This was thrilling to the end. Stu yeah. said it right last week when he said, um, you know, this is a, this going to be a good Super Bowl because they're evenly matched. Big time, yeah. And it yeah. was it was
1: just thrilling the whole time. It was really good, yeah. Going into the fourth quarter when it's twenty to ten, and then Kansas City r- r- rattles off twenty one straight points to win it like that. It that was, was crazy, and they did that the whole postseason. Yeah. It was just amazing, yeah. It
0: was really, it was really, really great. And there's no team that I would rather see lose than those people who are stationed in. Uh, San Francisco. <laughs> and uh, and I want you to... Stationed is the right word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want you to know, I was very mm-hmm. proud of the San Francisco players. Um, none of them took a crap on the field. No, that was good. Uh, it was That went good. against their nature. We know yeah, that. It did. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It did. Um, but somebody did take a big crap on the field, and uh, it was the halftime show sponsored Oof. by Pepsi. Oof. Now, I think just by reading the reviews and... If I may quote Jeb Bush, the 2020 Super, the Super Bowl halftime show is the best Super Bowl halftime show ever. Oh, please. Come on. Excuse me? Come
1: on. Really? If Mount Everest was made entirely of jello and it collapsed in some gigantic avalanche. <laughs> There jello would be, Avalanche? Yes, yes a big jello avalanche yes Mount Everest size right there'd be there'd be less jiggling parts than were contained
0: in that <laughs> Super Bowl halftime and there, there and wow. there is less jello in that mountain than <laughs> yes. in Jeb Bush's spine <laughs> that is true yeah that is I true. mean <laughs> what, come on man that was just It was bad. Pandering. He's pandering because of the Puerto Rican thing. I think that's all he's doing is pandering. Yeah. Um,
1: That was something you couldn't let your kids watch if you had small kids.
0: Gosh. Well, no, no, come on,
1: come on. The crotch cam and the pole dancing. I mean, those are very appropriate. I like, I mean, you can't watch it with your kids.
0: JLo brought her, her 12 year old daughter out to watch her pole dance. That's true. I mean, what's better than seeing mommy (sighs) pole dance?
1: And some of the crotch shots, like you said, and uh, the hand placement during those shots.
0: Yeah, well we're was, come the, on. Michael Jackson, but now the, the hand placement. But the <laughs> crotch camera, I've never seen a crotch camera before. No, never. I never. No. No. I know. It, it was so uncomfortable. Inappropriate. Inappropriate that my uh my son had four friends over. Now these are teenage boys. So I'm sure the teenage boys would have loved that if it wasn't also a room full of parents. Mm-hmm. And the teenage boys were so uncomfortable. I bet. They were like, Dad, can we change this? And I'm mm. like, yes, I'm trying to find the remote. Dad, can we please change this? Mr. Beck, can we change this, please? <laughs> yes, I'm trying. <laughs> I had 15-year-old boys. That's how inappropriate wow. it was, wow. the 15-year-old boys, watching it on their own they would have loved it (laughs) watching it with me in the room and my wife and other parents they yeah not so much not so much they were like oh good heavens and mainly because the Mm. all of the adults were like what the Mm -hmm. i asked tanya Mm -hmm. halfway through if i could get a lap dance from her (laughs) uh i said i've you know i've got a dollar bill and uh well, you've got a pull room, don't you? Oh, of course she, we do. Where of course she dances from time to time. And I said, look, honey, yeah. you don't have to. I mean, J-Lo's there. <laughs> if you like I'm in a strip club, how about a lap dance? I'll give you a buck. She said, how dare you offer me a dollar for that? Yeah. It, it. If you hand me a bill, it better have a one on it and zeros after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was really offended because I offered her a dollar. Not really for the lap dance con. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it was... Uh, <clears throat> really uncomfortable. Anyway, um it just shows how much we've changed. Yeah. I mean, remember the yeah. wardrobe malfunction? Tame in comparison to what we saw last Absolutely night. Absolutely tame. Yeah. Absolutely tame. And that was what 2005-6. Yeah. And it was like a that. big deal and mm-hmm. the NFL had to apologize. There's not going to be an apology. Oh, for not this. at all. They're There's not I gonna think be. they're proud of it. Oh yeah, they love it. They love it. And you know what this is? I think this is the internet. I think Mm -hmm. this the influence Mm -hmm. of the internet. We are all watching stuff now uh, online or our kids are exposed to things online. And, you know, it's just everywhere and it's just lowered the standards. It's just all been normalized and it doesn't shock us anymore.
1: No. You know, I was thinking about this last night. We've gone from a place where when Elvis first came on TV, you couldn't show him from the waist down. It would only show his upper torso.
0: Right. That's how that's how prudish we were. I mean, were. honestly. And look at what happens now. Uh I wow. really thought the next step and I I I'm not joking. The next step is let's just give him a gynecological exam. <laughs> okay? That's just hey, we've got, you know, we've got JLo out <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, she's going to sing a song while we perform a gynecological exam. <laughs> because I mean, it was there's nothing else left. There's nothing else left. And it's just... And did you notice this? The women are all wearing nothing. And then every time the guys were out, they looked like dump. They looked like, hey, I just put my sweatpants on, I got my hat on, and I'm sorry, I just rolled out (laughs) of bed. What's going on? I mean, the guys all looked like absolute dump. Yeah. Women were gypped.
1: Women were gypped. In addition... I don't know who any of the guys were. If they were, are they famous people? Are I they
0: don't know. People they were who go with the songs. Okay, so as a rule, so my son invited <laughs> two friends that had just moved to Texas from California, and mm-hmm. yes, I let them in the house. But they're from San Diego, which I count as only mm. partly Californian. Okay, so they're in, and you know, they're like, yeah, we grew up in San Diego, man. So like, we're Californians. So I'm asking them. Uh, all the way through the Super Bowl. Did you guys understand that ad? They're like, no, I don't even know what that ad was about. What was that? And did you notice like some of the, I think, I think they were not hip enough to even understand some of the ads. I don't even know what some mm-hmm. of these ads, I knew what they were advertising, but I had no idea of following them. And everybody at the end of the ad was like, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. Am, am I the only one that? No, there were some, there were some
1: weird weird ads. Like weird ads. That made no sense. Yeah. Yeah. The Tide ad I loved. The one yeah, that kept I, going through. Yeah. There were a there were a few. Like I I thought the Reese's ad was kinda of funny, the Take Five thing, where they had all the cliches of yeah, were you raised so by a wolf? And The guy walks up at the end with the his head up
0: his butt. <laughs> hang on, hang on just a sec. Play this video, we have it.
2: <clears throat> mm. What's that? Reese's take five bar chocolate peanuts caramel peanut butter pretzels never heard of it where have you been under a rock
3: do it to me what were you born yesterday really trish me neither <laughs> were you raised by wolves really insensitive trish are you clueless hmm? head in the sand that's offensive trish. yeah trish
2: you from another planet <sighs> I never heard of Take Five, neither. Again, <laughs> <laughs>
0: None of us have heard of Take Five. Don't look stupid now. Reese's Take Five, the best bar you've never heard of. All right, so, so there's good. a few of them. Yeah, but I just don't think the
1: Super Bowl ad thing is a thing anymore. It's really not. It used to
0: be, but it's all too politically correct. Yeah. Everybody's afraid to offend anyone. Right. You know, which is why I loved the Donald Trump ad. Do we have the Donald Trump ad? L- listen, l- listen to the Donald Trump ad and tell me they didn't intentionally just go for it. I'll, I'll play it here right. in a second. Did you see it? Um, I, I saw a couple ads. I'm oh not sure my which gosh! One you're the Trump to. ad, the first one that played, and I think it's the only one he wanted to run. Two, only one ran, um, and the Democrats went crazy. <laughs> This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. We have Tulsi Gabbard who is joining us uh, now. Hello, Tulsi. How are you?
2: Hi. Good morning, Glenn. Good. Uh, how are you?
0: Uh, very good. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. I'm sure there's a little trepidation in this, a little perhaps uh, concern, and uh, you shouldn't. Um, I, I respect you. Everybody on the show here respects you. We disagree with you. But um, we really feel you love your country. You have served the nation, um, I do. and you're you're a you're a solid citizen. So, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, okay, <laughs> I want to I want to ask you first of all about the debate um, uh, that is happening this Friday. You are polling at eight percent, and yet you haven't been invited uh, to be on this debate debate stage. And Deval Patrick is polling at two percent, and he was invited. What's happening?
2: You know, we've uh, put in calls and and sent messages to CNN to ask them exactly that question and have not gotten any kind of response. And to me, the the biggest problem with all of this is CNN is, is making a choice to dishonor voters, both here in New Hampshire, who will be voting here in eight days, as well as voters across the country by barring them from being able to uh, be informed about the different leading candidates who are running running for president, hearing the voice and the message and the issues that I'm raising in this presidential campaign. So they are, their decision to exclude me from this is a disservice to New Hampshire voters, and it's something they're not very happy about.
0: So um, I, I want to kind of get your opinion on where this is coming from. Bernie Sanders on Saturday said the target is not just the Republican establishment. Um, But it is the Democratic establishment. He said that's a real enemy. They need to bump off because the the party is trying to kill this revolution of his. Would you agree with that as well with with you?
2: I'll tell you what, what I'm experiencing here. You know, I'm in New Hampshire. We are campaigning hard as we're heading towards Election Day here and voters recognize that the political establishment in Washington um, is not serving the people of this country. We have a, a Washington that is of, by, and for the powerful elite rather than of, by, and for the people. So in the town halls that we're holding every day across New Hampshire and some of the bigger towns and the very small towns, uh, districts that may be uh, red or blue or mix or whatever it is, what, what we're seeing is we have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and Libertarians, all coming together, having a respectful conversation. Because as you opened, as you opened uh, our conversation today, we respect each other. We recognize that we are fellow Americans, and we care very much for our country's future. And we see how the powerful elite in Washington are not working for the best interest of the people, and that the only way to change that is when we the people stand up work side by side, and actually focus on putting country first, putting the people of this country first, and actually get real solutions to the problems that we are facing. And that, that's exactly what we're doing.
0: So, Tulsi, there is, I mean, listening to you speak, it sounds to me very familiar. It sounds like what Tea Party members were saying um, back under Obama. The establishment isn't listening. They're, they're not listening they are they are not responding to what the voters are asking for because I wanted hope and change too I wanted transparency I wanted a change to what what was happening um and nobody was listening at all on either side and those people were belittled which made them more angry um isn't this the same kind of feeling just with different end goals Uh, One was a return to the Constitution, and in many cases with Sanders, it's, uh, you know, an end to the Constitution or uh, capitalism. Um, Isn't it the same feeling, though?
2: The sense of dissatisfaction, disenfranchisement, of, of being left behind, that our voices are not being heard, I think is something that has continuously been growing over quite some time, which points to the reality that the problems in Washington are not being correctly identified. We go through these elections and it's like, you know, Democrats good, Republicans bad, Republicans good, Democrats bad. And it's this hyper partisanship about one party versus the other and each trying to either maintain or regain their power that leaves the American people and our voices behind. And this is why I think something that you're identifying maybe happened a while back, it's only continued uh, Mm -hmm. to have grown and it is coming from across party lines. In our town halls, as we're talking about these issues every day, you know, everyone's nodding their heads and recognizing, yes, we need to fix this, we need to change this, we gotta stop seeing everything through a partisan lens and actually just focus on the reality that so many American families are struggling and hurting and, and are, are uh, angry that their government is not working for them.
0: So how would you identify yourself as, I mean, you, you endorsed Bernie Sanders, which made Hillary Clinton love you forever. <laughs> um uh, all right would you consider <laughs> i your... have
2: not gotten the love letter yet <laughs> really I, oh I thought, no, I thought no i thought she loved has, you for has, that i move okay. around a lot so right. I, I don't know maybe I got a well she my...
0: might when she accepts the lawsuit and signs for the lawsuit you filed against her maybe she'll give you the love letter in exchange for that um but are you would you how would you classify yourself and is democratic socialist is that a danger do you think or is that a good thing is that where uh, the well, Democratic Party should go first
2: and foremost as as an American? Right. I know that. Uh, I love I love our country and uh, I approach issues as I have throughout my time in Congress, as I do now, seeking to serve our country as president, commander in chief, really just focused on the substance of these issues, not not uh, blindly placing myself or my thought process into one box because I'm a Democrat but actually actively seeking ideas, perspectives, and solutions coming from across party lines, because uh, this this is reality. I'm I'm a very practical and pragmatic person. I'm an independent-minded person, and I call things like I see it. I I am just as willing uh, and able to call out my own party when they're wrong as well as when they're right as I am the Republican Party when they're wrong or when they're right. And it's this kind of uh, clarity in um, and putting country first that I think voters across this country uh, are demanding as we're seeing some of these changes continuing to occur uh, in in this election.
0: Um, well, let me just touch on the Hillary lawsuit. What are you hoping to achieve with that? I've had several people say you will have to prove damages. It's going to be almost impossible to prove the damages. So what are you what are you hoping to gain? Or, um,
2: I will leave the, the, the legal machinery to, to the attorneys, but I'll tell you for myself, um, some in the media are portraying this as, well, this is just another news story, or this is just a media stunt, but they don't understand that this is about my life. You know, I've dedicated my entire adult life to serving our country. Uh, after the attacks on 9-11, like so many Americans, I made that decision to uh to, to serve and to, to, to protect the safety, security, and freedom of the American people and being willing to put my life on the line to do so. I'm still serving in the Army National Guard now. I've deployed twice to the Middle East, and, of course, I'm still serving in Congress now, seven going on eight years. And so for Hillary Clinton and her powerful allies in Washington to uh, essentially try to uh, portray me as, as a traitor – to the country that I love, it takes away the very essence of who I am—the yeah. oath of loyalty that I have taken to the country that I love.
0: I mean, somebody and, like somebody. And so
2: this is a serious thing.
0: Yeah, somebody like Hillary Clinton saying that you're a Russian asset uh, has got to make an impact on you, your career, but also personally, uh, just
2: very much so. I, I Very much that. so. And and personally for myself, but I, I'm actually thinking of the amazing patriots who I've served with. People who have also dedicated their lives, literally, their lives willing to sacrifice everything in service to our country. This is what defines us. And so for her and her powerful allies to so completely devalue that honor, that loyalty, that sacrifice and service to our country. It cannot go unchecked, and is, this is why I'm filing this lawsuit. Is
0: this just an old beef because of the Bernie Sanders endorsement, or is there something deeper there, do you think?
2: Uh, this is something that, that only she can answer. Uh, I think th- from my perspective, I see two things that seem to be very clear. Number one is that that she hasn't let go of the fact that I resigned as vice chair of the DNC to endorse Bernie Sanders very specifically for one reason— uh, the, the vast difference in Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton's foreign policy and, and worldview. Yeah. What kind of commander in chief they would be. Bernie, largely non interventionist, Hillary Clinton, extremely interventionist, and, and a neo lib war hawk. And consistently, the second thing is that that throughout my time in Congress, I have been speaking out strongly against the very foreign policy legacy that she represents of being the world's police, waging regime change wars in other countries that have not made us any safer and that have cost us tremendously the lives of my brothers and sisters in uniform, as well as every American in taxpayer dollars, dollars that are coming out of, you know, our schools, our classrooms, coming out of our infrastructure needs in our communities, going as they are now in Afghanistan, four billion dollars every month. Four billion every month. That's five and a half million dollars per hour. And I hear from people every day who question, my gosh, those resources could be going towards opioid recovery and helping those who are struggling with substance abuse and addiction here in New Hampshire and across the country. 130 Americans dying every day from this opioid epidemic. So this cost is, is very real. And, and I, I see how Hillary Clinton and, and her powerful allies uh, are sending a message through what they are doing to me to say, if you dare cross us, we will come after you.
0: Um, I will tell you that I think your foreign policy is actually has more in common now with this new Republican well, I shouldn't say Republican new uh, conservative uh, viewpoint on let's bring people home. this is enough is a, is is enough uh, and we we keep making the same mistake over and over. Let me break for 10 seconds station ID and back with Tulsi Gabbard. With uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who is up in New Hampshire. She's running for president uh, of the United States in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with her. She's running at 8% uh, in uh, New Hampshire. She qualifies for the CNN debate. She can't get an answer on why she wasn't asked to intend, but instead Deval Patrick was, and he's running at uh, 2%. Um, Tulsi um we're up against uh, impeachment now we haven't heard from witnesses i think legally it was the right call if i'm the president's attorney you won the case end it politically i think we should have heard from witnesses and i would have liked to um let's say they vote on wednesday to acquit which i think they will should there be should the house go into john bolton should we hear from the bidens should we investigate any of this stuff or is it time just to walk away from this
2: i've i've spoken a lot about this and just pointed out from shortly how how shortly after uh, donald trump was elected there were immediately members of my party who were who were pushing for impeachment, largely because of political differences, not willing to accept the outcome of the election, policy differences, uh, and, and their criticisms of Donald Trump. Uh, and, and I've spoken about how dangerous it is to uh, have this process be driven in a very hyper-partisan way, frankly, on both sides, and how not doing so in an objective way really only further divides an already divided country. Uh, it's why I made a very conscious decision uh, to vote present when that those those votes came before the House of Representatives to take a stand for the center against this hyperpartisanship partisanship in Washington while also introducing a censure resolution that actually included many more of the uh, uh, unconstitutional actions that President Trump has taken and frankly something that I think would have been more likely to gain Bipartisan support What I'm hearing from people uh, I'm I'm
0: sorry Uh, we're up against the network break Unless you care to stay longer We'd love to have you longer Um, How can people get involved uh, In your campaign
2: Thank you Tulsi2020.com I look forward, I'm the best Democrat, best candidate to be able to defeat Trump in November of 2020. Uh, Appreciate you all, people from all party lines uh, coming and joining us in our people-powered movement.
0: Thank you so much. Tulsi Gabbard. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. It's uh, Monday, day of the Iowa caucus. Tomorrow is the State of the Union. I will be in Washington D.C. in uh, the uh, in the Senate chamber for that um, for that uh, speech. Or is it the house? You're going to miss it then because it's, it's in, in the, the house, house. chamber. I'm going to be in the House chamber uh, <laughs> watching that. You see so much that television just doesn't show you. I don't watch mm-hmm. the president. I'm I'm watching all the people and the. The floor show. It's pretty amazing. Um, It's going to be a historic speech because the next day he goes in for the vote to either acquit or to uh, convict for his impeachment. So it's kind of a busy week, politically speaking. Then on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, a free special. We're making it available for everyone. Look for the Blaze YouTube channel and make sure you're watching the live special 8 p.m. on Thursday. It's the final piece, the Ukraine, the final piece, the billion dollar question. And we have the answer for you. Um, And it has nothing to do with really the impeachment of Trump, although it makes sense fully now. The impeachment of Trump has very little to do with the Bidens uh, or any of the stuff that we have talked about. The final piece is much bigger than that. Uh, and quite honestly, I think it's going to shock Democrats. It will make total sense, no denying it. And I think the anybody who voted for Barack Obama is going to be disgusted by what this story is really all about. That is Thursday, Ukraine, the final piece, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, let me go back now to Iowa, which happens today. One of the people that really had their finger on the pulse uh, during the 2016 election was Selena Zito, because she is a reporter that doesn't listen necessarily to all the other reporters. She's listening to the people, and she she travels by car, and she stops in diners, and she's actually listening. I wanted to get her view on what's happening in Iowa uh, today. Selena, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you so much for having me, and I have to tell you, you're absolutely right. When you watch the State of the Union address, no matter who the president is, Watching it in, in in the house chamber and and if you're watching it from the ga- gallery, it's just a fascinating moment of human behavior it really is
0: and, you, uh, you see yeah. you you see what that president is dealing with, and you yes. see the little clicks and uh it's amazing the people should you should have another camera just on the House and the Senate uh, because you learn an awful lot. Anyway,
3: absolutely, absolutely correct.
0: Okay, so Selena, tell me what you think is going on uh, today um, in in Iowa. What what are you sensing is we're going to be talking about tomorrow at this point?
3: I think tomorrow at this point we're going to be talking about Bernie Sanders, Uh, and and I think he has a high probability of winning this uh, the caucus, and here's why. Uh, you know, in 2004, when we were heading into the caucus, everyone was like, Howard Dean, Howard Dean, Howard Dean. Uh, but what they missed, and I remember writing this um, or saying this, I can't even remember, it feels like 5,000 years ago, right? Wow. But I remember noticing that they didn't have the ground support that is necessary to get the voters out To caucus because if anybody knows anything about how you caucus it's an investment of your personal time time. and i don't mean like 15 minutes you know waiting in line and 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 going to the ballot box i'm talking about three to four hours at night it's usually cold it's almost always snowing and you have to really put it out there in terms of who you are supporting everyone in your precinct knows who you supported. And if that person does not miss, hit that threshold, then there's some bartering that goes on. Right. And, and it's really sort of fascinating. But Bernie has done, and I think this has been underreported. reported his, his campaign team has done an incredible job of getting really good people, people trusted in their community to get voters out. And that's how you win a caucus.
0: Right. And um, that when you are when you're searching for a candidate, which it seems many of the Iowans are, they're not satisfied with any of them. They've been looking for somebody that that they think could win. They don't they don't have a consensus on this. They keep going back and forth. It's like going to buy a pair of shoes with a woman in a store. They're trying on every single <laughs> pair, and, and they're going to walk away with none of them in the end. Um, that's the way this kind of feels, uh, and the only one that has true, true, deep support, I think, are Yang and Sanders.
3: Yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, Yang is this really sort of once-in-a-lifetime interesting, uh, candidate for the Democratic Party. He's young, he's, uh, he's funny, He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his politics are are um, are are a real mixed bag. Yeah, I was gonna say it's left. kind of
0: yeah, very left and yeah, and right. And
3: right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. He's like he's like a buffet of, of choices, all in one candidate. And he, well, the thing that he has that none of the other ones have is he's very aspirational. That is that thing that's, that, that Barack Obama had in 2008 that made things click. Pete Buttigieg has tried to project that, but he doesn't – have not done that effectively because I think in the way that he has handled religion has been negative because he pits different denominations against each other. Christians don't like that at all.
0: So um... – what is what is your thought on? We have Steve Dace coming up, who is really good on the uh, the Iowa caucus, and he's he's uh, you know a political player that's been on the the uh, looking at this and on the inside for you know twenty years, and he said he thinks there's a chance we go to a, a brokered convention because the Bernie people he thinks will win in Iowa then in New Hampshire and in Arizona, maybe Biden wins in South Carolina. But then Bernie is really kind of on this this role. Um, uh, But whether he can get enough, you know, enough delegates uh, to win, we may be entering a, a brokered convention. How likely do you think that is?
3: wrong you know every four years um uh, the reporters love to throw that out and say oh well, this could happen actually this is the year that it could happen this is actually the year that it could happen and, and i see a similar scenario i see the possibility of burning burning winning iowa new hampshire and nevada you know people always talk about nevada as being uh, about um hispanic voters it's not about Hispanic voters. It's about union voters. Yes. Uh, people always miss that. Yes. And these are the to the left unions. These aren't the sort of energy unions that you find out here in Western Pennsylvania or Ohio or Co- Colorado or Texas. And so uh, I think there's – I could see a scenario where, where Biden – or where, where Bernie wins Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada – And because the race goes to South Carolina, Biden will still win South Carolina, but not at all as strong as as people anticipated. And I can see Bloomberg saying, you know what, it's time for me to step in. I can do this. And that's when everything just sort of blows up. Uh, The, The Democratic establishment and the media do not want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. They just don't. He's not been part of their team. He doesn't listen in the way that other candidates, they would anticipate other candidates or nominees to listen, and he's not part of the club. And uh, and, isn't and so that, they're going to
0: do it, Isn't that a reason for those on the left to vote for him even more? Doesn't that make their case stronger? Every, uh,
3: exactly. Right.
0: I mean, you they learn nothing from 2016. Nothing.
3: Absolutely nothing. You know, it's the establishment class, the chattering class, the Democrats, and the media sort of conglomerate that that sort of have been the ones that have not understood twenty sixteen. Not just because of Trump, but also because of Bernie. And I always think it's sort of fascinating, even among establishment Republicans, that none of these um, political parties have said, "Oh dear God." They picked him. Maybe we we must have been really bad. Let's be reflective about that. Yeah. No, no they don't no. do that. Let's just make fun of those people. They're dumb.
0: Yeah. So um, if Bernie does take off, doesn't that, I mean, because Bernie is the closest thing to Donald Trump that that side has. I mean, I just saw him on TV just a few minutes ago on the, one of the news channels, and I'm like, look at him. There's no way this guy could win. Just look at him. He's 78 years old. He looks angry. He's kind of mean. Um, he's just not a politician um, in, in the traditional sense. And then I thought, that's exactly what people said and I said to, to, about Donald Trump. And look where he is now.
3: Yeah, I think that what people, what, what people within the establishment um, and and or, or not part of the movement, don't understand about populism, is that uh, populism today is the more uh, uh, um, skepticism about all things big, that includes government, that includes politics, that includes media, that includes entertainment. They haven't sort of under have grasped and or understood uh, what. They have done how they have failed over these past 30 years, and they have created what has happened within both parties. Also, uh, technology really, really um, has added to that because in our daily lives, think about this. We have removed the curators from our lives. What do I mean by that? Think about Sears. When we used to shop, Sears picked everything. If you wanted to buy an appliance, it was Kenmore. If you wanted to buy tools, it was Craftsman. We let some dude in Sears Tower decide what to do. Well, why why didn't anybody think that politics wasn't going to fall in the same way? Right. Now the biggest department store in this country is Amazon. We have blown up. Technology has essentially blown up these large political parties. They're still going to exist, but they don't have the power that they used to have.
0: Selena, let me switch topics and sides um, quickly because I've only got about a minute and a half. Uh, The ramifications of impeachment, how is this going to play out?
3: It's not going to impact anything at all. If anything, a story just now out of Wisconsin, if anything, it has made people more, less likely to vote Democrat because they see this as a political maneuver and more likely to at least consider Trump or not show up to vote at all. And that is a problem. For the for the Democratic Party and they don't understand it and they don't realize it. And every time I write this a story like this and do this reporting, they make fun of it. But they're missing it again as they missed it in 2016.
0: Do you believe that uh, the Sanders people, the the real radicals that are in his his followers, that there could be trouble in uh, Wisconsin this summer if they don't give it to him?
3: Oh, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think there's going to be some sort of, prob- you know, problems. How extreme those problems get um, just depends on who gets attracted to them. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, there is certainly a lot of p- potent p- potential for that to become a problem.
0: All right. Selena, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again um, if you're available. <laughs> exactly. maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get some analysis from you again tomorrow. Thank you so much. Selena Zito. awesome. You can uh, follow her on Twitter at Selena Zito Zito. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.